0: Hello, and welcome to Broken Vessels Mended by God. My name is Ruth Dowhit, and I am a teacher of God's Word, and I welcome you to this podcast where we look at certain passages of Scripture. And in this series, we've been looking at Psalm 23. Welcome to Lesson 6. This is perhaps my favorite of all the lessons in Psalm 23 Bible study. I think it's because it really points to me who I was in Christ and who I am in Christ Jesus today. And I hope that it blesses you and encourages you as much as studying Psalm 23 has blessed me. Lesson 6, The Good Shepherd As we read and study God's word in this lesson, take time to pray and ask him to speak to you. I want you to glean all that you can from today's lesson. In our last lesson, we looked at how the Lord protects us with his discipline. It can be hard to take, but we know his discipline is perfect because he is perfect. So David wrote that the Lord's discipline and guidance is a comfort to him, and it should be a comfort to us as well. In this lesson, we're going to look at Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I thought I knew what this passage was about years ago. But as I studied it further in the context of a shepherd and in the context of King David, who wrote it, so much more appeared to me so much more became meaningful to me. You prepare a table before me. So picture the scene, a table where the king would sit and have a banquet feast with those around him. So now David goes from speaking about the Lord as shepherd to how the Lord provides for him a victory feast before his enemies. He switches from third-person to second-person language. You, God, provide this victory feast for me. Again, this is evidence of that close personal relationship that David had with God. A relationship that you and I can now have because of Jesus. In biblical times after battle, the victorious king would have a feast with his generals and soldiers, to celebrate the victory, all while the enemy sat bound before him. The humiliation of watching the feast was part of the punishment for the defeated foe. David wrote that it is God who prepares the victory feast for him in the presence of his enemies. Now, David might be the victor, but he gives all the glory to God for the provisions. Now, do we do this? I mean, you and I are victorious because of Jesus. Do we give God all the glory for His provisions, including victory over our enemy? Take a moment right now to thank the Lord right where you are for giving us victory over our enemy. As we can see in this verse, my cup runneth over, The Lord God treats David as an honored guest at his table. At the table of any high-ranking leader, the special guest would be anointed with oil, and their cup would never be empty. In fact, a specific servant would be ordered to make sure that that special guest's cup would always be full. But David says that God not only anoints him with oil as the special guest, But his cup runs over. As king, David must have had many victorious feasts. He was one of the greatest wartime kings in history. He must have had many enemies bound before him at the victory feast throughout his reign. And all the provisions have been placed there by the Lord. The psalmist takes no credit nor should we for any of the blessings bestowed upon us by God." So this is why King David would use this type of language, this beautiful imagery in Psalm 23 verse 5, because he had experienced it over and over again. He had honored guests at his table, and he would make sure that the servant was there to keep the cup full, and he knew what it meant to have oil anointed over the special guest's head. In Psalm 104, verses 14 through 18, we are told that God brings forth food from the earth. So, He provides for us. And in Acts fourteen seventeen, we are told it is God who gives us the rains and the fruitful seasons. And in 1 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, we are told everything created by God is good. These are the provisions that we can praise God for god warns us in his word that if we obey him we will have all these blessings food from the earth rain and fruitful seasons but if we disobey we will have consequences and in deuteronomy 11 verses 12 through 17 we are told of the consequences and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish off the good land that the Lord is giving you. That's quite the contrast compared to the other verses now, isn't it? When you read in Deuteronomy about the blessings of obedience, you can see God will provide for us. But when we disobey, the land will yield no fruit. We would be wise to always remember all that we have has been provided to us by our benevolent and holy God. So we must always give him the glory and praise for the victory, just as King David did. In the presence of my enemies It is important that we see how David tells us that not only is the table provided by the Lord and that he made him the honored guest, but that this is a victory table because the battle is won. The table has been set before the enemies of David. At this time in history, the enemy king would be brought into the victory feast, bound and beaten, and placed in the corner of the room to watch the victory feast in humiliation. The victorious king would rejoice in the presence of his defeated foe. In Psalm 23, King David said, It is God who prepared the victory feast in the presence of his enemies he gives all the credit to God our enemy is bound and defeated because of Jesus and we always need to remember this fact we need to live victorious because we are thanks to Jesus we know that it is the Lord who scatters the enemies away from his people as it says in Numbers chapter 10 Let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And in Psalm 3, God is described as a shield about me, my glory, lifter of my head. And in Psalm 5, we're told, God covers the righteous with favor as with a shield. And in Psalm 18, we're told, the Lord rescued us from our enemies and exalted us above those who rise against us. And in Psalm 27, we're told, God lifts our heads Above our enemies, and we will offer shouts of joy. And finally, in Psalm 68, we're told, God's enemies shall be scattered. Notice how the psalmists describe the Lord. He is our shield that protects us from the enemy, He lifts us up above those who attack us. He is the intense heat that melts the enemy like wax. Praise God our enemies have been conquered once and for all by the Lord who conquered death for us when he rose again. Take time today to really thank the Lord for fighting the battle for us, a battle that we will never have to fight again. Jesus said to love your enemy. Why? Because that's what we were. We were his enemies. mephibosheth In 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 through 13 we see a beautiful portrait of David's mercy on the grandson of his enemy King Saul It's a portrait of us before the Lord who we were before Jesus David's mercy on Mephibosheth David had entered into a covenant with his best friend Jonathan God remembered his covenant with Israel. So David showed mercy and compassion on the grandson of his enemy. He asked his servants, Is there anyone left in the lineage of my friend Jonathan? And they said, Why, yes, my lord, Mephibosheth. So David asked them to bring Mephibosheth to him. Now, Mephibosheth was lame. In both legs and back then that meant a life of destitute begging in the streets so imagine when he saw the king's servants coming toward him knowing that he was the enemy of the king he probably thought that they were coming to kill him but instead they brought Mephibosheth to the king where he fell to the ground asking for mercy and King David said, No, 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 Mephibosheth, you don't understand. I'm going to restore the land back to you, because I remember the covenant I made with Jonathan. The land is yours, and come, sit at my table. You will sit at my table for the rest of your life, and you will be like a son to me. Now, how is that for Mercy. He could have had Mephibosheth bound and beaten and placed in the corner to watch the victory feast. But he didn't. He extended mercy because God had remembered his covenant with Israel. That is us, isn't it? We were destitute before Jesus. We were the enemies of the king. And we could have been bound and beaten in humiliation before the king. Yet Jesus remembered his covenant promise that he had made. He sought us out in our destitute state and brought us to his victory table where we can sit and he calls us children of God. Isn't that beautiful? How does this story make you feel about your enemies? Remember, we were the enemies of God before Jesus. How does it make you feel about showing mercy and grace to others the way that David showed mercy to Mephibosheth, the grandson of his enemy, the way God showed grace and mercy to us, his enemies? You anoint my head with oil. As an honored guest at the table, it was the Jewish custom to anoint him with oil as a way of setting them apart or sanctifying them from other guests. Here we read how it is David whose head is anointed at the table provided by the Lord. And in Psalm 92 verses 10 through 11 we see that oil fresh oil is poured over him. It's a beautiful portrait of the special guest being set apart from all the others. David said that is what God has done for him all his life. Now, when we read the story about Jesus being the guest at the dinner in Simon's house, and how the woman came with the alabaster flask, we are reminded of this fact, the importance of honoring the guest. So Jesus is in the home of Simon, and he enters in and sits And a woman comes in, a woman with a reputation, comes into the home with all these men there. And she walks right over to Jesus, stands behind him, and breaks open an alabaster flask filled with expensive perfumed oil. And she begins to anoint the head of Jesus. Then she falls to his feet and cries all over his feet, and wipes his feet with her tears now when the men see this they ask that the woman be removed but Jesus stops them and says Simon may I ask you something and he says speak Lord and Jesus rebukes Simon and says you know I came into your home as a guest and you did not anoint my head with oil as this woman did And as your honored guest you did not wash my feet but this woman has not stopped wiping my feet with her tears the whole time so compare the two stories Mephibosheth who was treated with honor even though he was an enemy of God enemy of the king Jesus being the son of God should have been treated as the honored guest by the jewish leaders who were at that table at that dinner he was their messiah he was there he had come to sacrifice himself that they might be reconciled to god and yet in all irony it was the woman with great sin who saw jesus as the honored guest and she not only and she not only anointed his head with expensive oil, but his feet as well, and with oil of great price, too. It's very convicting, isn't it? I think that's why this lesson really resonates with me. When We see such a beautiful picture of the honored guest. Have we taken time to anoint our Lord as the honored guest in our home? Is he welcome at our table? Would he feel welcome in our homes? Be honest. Take time to meditate on what you have learned here today about the honored guest and the two stories of Mephibosheth and Jesus at Simon's table. My cup runs over. So we have seen how the Lord scattered away the enemies of his people over and over again throughout Israel's history. As humans, we desire justice from our enemies, don't we? We crave it. We cry out to it. God is called Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord, our shepherd. And we have seen how God is our good shepherd in the Old Testament. But now let's look at Jesus as the true shepherd in the New Testament, the new covenant. Found in John chapters 8 through 10. There were many gates to the temple in Jerusalem. And one of those gates was called the Sheep Gate. Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. He taught in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles and called himself the Bread of Life, the Light of the World, and Rivers of Living Water, reminding the Jewish people of the time in the wilderness where God led them, protected them, and provided for them during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Now, in John chapter 10, he reminds them of how God was the Good Shepherd, as we read in Ezekiel 34, by calling himself the Good Shepherd, right in front of all the people. Now, are there two Good Shepherds? No, there's only one. By calling himself the Good Shepherd, Jesus equated himself to God the one and only God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Imagine the reaction of the Jewish people as they heard him speak this. They knew Ezekiel 34 backwards and forwards. They knew all about the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Dedication and the purpose behind it. He had called himself the Bread, the Water, and now he was calling himself the Good Shepherd? Imagine the Jewish leaders of his day. Jesus called himself the Son of God and told the people he would lay down his life for the sheep. He also mentioned that there are other sheep of another fold, the Gentiles, and he would bring them into his fold. He said they would hear his voice and there would be one flock and one shepherd. The significance of this chapter is profound. Jesus identified himself by so many titles, shepherd, son of God, the door, and that he and the father are one. The Jewish leaders took up stones to kill him for making himself equal to God. But it was not his time to die for us. He still needed to show the people one more sign of his ultimate power. He would raise Lazarus from the dead after four days in the tomb. In John chapter 10 verses 11 through 18 he said I am the Good Shepherd the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep I am the Good Shepherd No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus reminded the people of what was written in Ezekiel 34 the irresponsible shepherds would flee and leave the sheep to be devoured by the beasts of the field. How good is the good shepherd? He is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. David didn't do this. Only Jesus would do this willingly. It is important for us to completely understand Jesus and God are one. Therefore, it is God himself, creator of the universe, who came down as the lowly shepherd, the outcast, to gather his sheep. He healed his sheep. He bound their wounds. And they heard his voice. Finally, God himself, the lowly shepherd, willingly gave his life for the flock. Amazing, isn't it? So take time today to praise God for what he has revealed to you about himself today in this lesson. But how does God speak of the enemies? In Exodus 23, he ordered the people that if the enemy lost their ox, they are to go and bring back the ox. And in Luke chapter six, Jesus commanded to love your enemies. And in Matthew five, he told them to pray for those who persecute you. Here we read what God says about his enemies, show mercy and grace. And he tells us to do likewise. Man wants justice, though. We want justice taken out on our enemies in Psalm 55 the psalmist cried out destroy them O Lord vengeance is the human reaction a long time ago our son read that psalm and said doesn't it show a contradiction in Scripture in that Jesus was saying that we should love our enemies yet the psalmist asked God for vengeance upon the heads of his enemies well is this a contradiction so I asked our son who is speaking in Luke Matthew and Exodus and he answered God then I asked him who is speaking in Psalm 55 and he answered David so we see here that man's desires for his enemies are far different than God's therefore there's no contradiction had God been speaking in Psalm 55 then we would have a clear contradiction but instead we see how man desires vengeance on those who have wronged him but how does God respond to those who have wronged him In Luke 23 Jesus cried out on the cross father forgive them for they know not what they do and also in Luke 23 the thief on the cross admitted that Jesus was king and innocent of all crimes and Jesus said to the thief who had just cursed him previously He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now that's forgiveness, isn't it? And why is it important to point this out? Because how did God see us before he saved us? We were like Mephibosheth, weren't we? Destitute, lost, deserving of justice from the king for being the grandson of the enemy. And just like it says in Romans 5, That while we were enemies of God we were saved we were the enemies of God before the blood of Christ reconciled us to him and now we are victorious we were the ones bound and seated on the ground during the victory feast of the Lord the enemy now you can see why God tells us to love our enemies and pray for them because he loved us and prayed for us even while hanging on the cross he tells us to lend to them and not sue them why because that is what he've done for us he healed us restored us removed the chains anointed our heads with oil and sat us at his victory table as the honored guest making sure our cup overflows and that is why our cups run over with all the blessings that the Lord has given us. Praise Him today with all your heart and soul for what He has done for you. For you were once His enemy, and now you are called a child of God, and you sit at His victory table. Covenant, God's Promises So what is the greatest provision that the Lord bestowed upon us? Salvation salvation from his wrath and judgment that we read about in deuteronomy remember that is the greatest provision we are now reconciled to a holy god because he himself became the propitiation the substitution for our sins he himself knowing that only a perfect sacrifice would do came down and became that spotless lamb of the passover for us Jesus overcame death for us his enemies it was Jesus who conquered our enemy death once and for all and in Luke chapter 1 we're told that he saved us from the hand who hates us that's how much he loves us now that's a good shepherd thank you so much for joining me today for this lesson I hope that it has encouraged you as much as it encourages me What did you learn about the Lord today that comforts you? Take that and share it with others who may need to hear this message. And until next time, God bless.